today. Lord Father, as we now turn to your word, I just ask that it would be enlightening, that it would be enriching, that Lord, we would understand truly what it is to be a child of God and walk in that way. Lord, we love you so. Grateful for what you did for us on the cross. Grateful for what you are doing for us today. Grateful for what you have planned for us for the future. Give us your strength this day. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, worship team. And I just uh, want to thank uh, Pastor John and Connie for uh, giving me this opportunity to bring the word to you today. They are down in Phoenix um, at, at TIPS meeting, so it is good for them to get away. It is good for us to be together. Amen? Amen. 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 All right. So... <laughs> Can everybody still see me? Mm-hmm. Still short, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We have a lot of scripture to cover today. There's no fill in the blanks in your outline, so you can sit and soak this in. You can write scripture references down. Whatever works for you today, what we want to do is look at who we are, who you are in Christ. We're talking about identity today, and we're talking about identity positionally as in who we are in Christ when we receive him, and functionally, how we walk it out on this hot pavement called life. Here and now, 2020, January 19th. Amen? Amen. 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 So, before we get into uh, positionally the statement that we have, which I'm going to ask you to read with me, and it's in your handout, before we get to that, I just want to go through some things that will give you spiritual security. What we have in our Christian faith is the assurance that you know that you know that you know that you know without a doubt that you are a child of God. So how do you know that? Assurance means declaration, a promise, a guarantee, a surety, a certainty. And my favorite part of the definition is it's freedom from doubt. Doubt. Freedom from doubt. You know, we ask, your salvation, is it secure in Christ? God bless you. You're secure in Christ. We believe in the Wesleyan Church that you are assured of that salvation. There can be no doubt that you are a child of God. So what is our declaration? What is our declaration? The first scripture is, <laughs> how can we know that we are a child of God? John 1.12, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It doesn't say you may be, you perhaps are, you're getting close to, it says you will. It's a definite article, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and with your mouth that you profess your faith and you are saved. 1 John 5, 1, everyone who believes in Jesus is the Christ, has become a child of God. 
1 John 5, 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, we are built for eternity. God has set eternity on our hearts. And a lot of think of it is that when we die, we start eternity. But we are in this now. We are going to continue to be. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen. Death is but a common, not a period. Right? right? So we continue on in this eternity with Jesus. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> so salvation and eternal life is found in Jesus alone. And it is a gift. Okay, we don't have to pray so many times a week. We don't have to read so many scriptures and check it off. We don't have to attend so many church services every year. Although those are all good things, they are not the gift. Right? Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for it is grace by grace that you have been saved through faith. And it is not from yourself. It is a gift from God so that no one can boast. Romans 3.27, can we boast then that we have done anything acceptable by God? All of our deeds are like filthy rags, the scripture tells us. Amen? It is based on faith. So at this point of your declaration that Jesus is Lord and you have invited him into your life, into your heart, Positionally, so meaning where you are, you are transferred from the, the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. You are now a child of God. Amen? Amen. All right. So uh, at, sal at salvation, you're transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Colossians 1, 12 to 14. Being always thankful. That he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred him to his kingdom of his son, who purchased our freedom. Acts 2, 26, 18, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sin and placed among those who are sanctified by me in faith. <clears throat> So I want to turn your attention to the screen. I have a little clip that I want to watch, and then we will continue. It's amazing. Hmm? It's amazing we have a movie. Forgiven. 
disowned? So I'm chosen. He redeemed me. So I am wanted. He showed me grace just so I could be saved. He has a future for me because he loves me. So I don't wonder anymore, Coach Harrison. God is just so succinct. So in your book, uh, in your handouts, if you would pull that out, I want us to say this together. So who are you? Positionally, who are you in Christ? Everybody read with me. A child of God, saved by grace, alive to God, dead to sin, a new creation, loved by God, Reconciled to God, redeemed, free, justified, chosen, blessed, adopted, accepted, forgiven, sanctified, created for good works, called to eternal glory, more than a conqueror, an overcomer, never forsaken. You are his masterpiece. Created in his image. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, You are his masterpiece. <laughs> therefore, we are new creations. 2 Corinthians 5 17 tells us, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, and the new is here. Romans 6 11. So you should. Uh, also should consider yourself dead to the power and, of sin and alive to God through Christ. So, if this was all we needed to do, accept Christ into our hearts, and that would be it, that would be pretty simple, right? <laughs> I mean, if it were done at this point and we never had to struggle again, we could all say amen and go home, right? <laughs> That isn't what happens. We are saved through grace by faith. And we put our trust in God. But we still have to live life, right? We're still here. We still have to walk in this world. So before I move on to functionally who we are in Christ, I want to just have you remember when it was that you received Christ into your heart. I want to be able to nail it down today. Maybe you don't have the exact date. When I received Christ, I was told to write the date down. So I actually have it in one of my previous Bibles. Um, but I was two years sober, seven months pregnant, and I was debating whether the drink was better. 
And God, Jesus showed up in my life, and I turned my will and my life over to him. Amen. So that's my story. But I want you to know that you know that you know the assurance of our faith that if you were to pass on tomorrow, you would be with God. Assurance. So think about it for a moment and write either the date or the season. You know, a lot of us remember what we were doing at the time. When was it that you were saved by grace? 1978. Okay. <laughs> January 1976. Excellent. I love that people know it exactly. And I want everyone to be able to know it exactly. It's important. All right. So now let's move on to functionally. <laughs> Who is it that's stealing our identity? I mean, if somebody walked into you and that declaration of who they were was their resume, you would hire them on the spot, right? <laughs> but we walk in and we have that, we know that it's internal, but how do we walk it out all the time, right? What steals our faith? How about the scale? How about food? Comfort? How about money? Greed. You know, we still have to function in this world, but we're not of this world anymore. So what is it? And identification of this is nine-tenths of the law. If you know what it is that steals your faith, that steals your identity, then you can combat it. So we want to pinpoint what steals our identity. Right? Amen. 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 How about feelings? You know, fear. What is the saying for fear? False evidence appearing real, or forget everything and run. Which is it? <laughs> How about the heart? Everything in this world is now follow your heart. Jeremiah tells us the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can trust it? You know, uh, social media. Oh, that's a big one. Oh my goodness, I try not to go on Facebook too often. And I like to check in. I don't post, but I like to snoop on other people what they're doing on social media. But it doesn't take long before I realize, man, she got a new car. Congratulations. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, um, or they went on a trip. I want to go to Bimini. Where is Bimini? <laughs> How about church attendance or a ministry? I'm working for the Lord. I am a prayer warrior. I am the pastor. I check it off my list. Is that stealing our identity of the authenticness and trueness of who we really are in this life? How about just volunteering in general? Amen. Couple scriptures on that. 1 Peter 5.8. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil, <laughs> Satan. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 
You know, so we say, you know, I'm not so bad with food. I mean, I got my weight under control. And Satan says, well, go ahead, have that. Sorry, I'm not picking, I'm picking on me, <laughs> really. <laughs> or, you know, I got a pretty hefty savings account. I'll be okay. Putting our trust in the number in the bank account as opposed to in the Lord. It's subtle, and the enemy is a roaring, roaring lion looking to devour. And he can take just a little bit of that and make it a half-truth. Yeah, you're set. The more you have, the more you give. Makes sense to me. Here's the verse in Jeremiah. I said, the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? Matthew 6.21 is one that gets me all the time. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. So the heart follows the treasure, not the other way around. You invest in Amazon, what are you going to be doing first thing tomorrow morning? Looking on Amazon, see where their stock is. Philippians 3.19, their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. You know, it's not what goes into the stomach that is bad, it's what comes out of the heart. But we can continue to say, lead our lives by our stomachs, or by our glory, meaning pride, or setting our mind on earthly things. 2 Peter 2, 17, 19. Now I'm just going to skip to the very bottom, the one that is um, highlighted on my page. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. That's the bottom line on this one. And so we need to look at that in realistic. And tonight in your quiet time, tomorrow in your quiet time, what is it that masters you? And that is a good indication of what you are a slave to or what is stealing your identity. So we're having a potluck today after church, right? Yes. Thank you, Carrie, so much for doing that every third Sunday of the month. Amen. 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 <laughs> so how many will eat today at the potluck and then not eat again until next Sunday? <laughs> I know you laugh at me when I say something like that. But it's true. How many of us come to church service on a Sunday and feel that the food, the spiritual food that we've received, it's going to last us all week. By Wednesday, we're going nuts. By Thursday, we're having attitude in the roundabouts. <laughs> by, sun, by Saturday, we're saying, what is wrong with me? And then by Sunday, we come and everything gets settled down again. Is that re resonating with anybody? <laughs> so a little demonstration to that effect. So this is me. And I have a couple of coins in here. You know, church attendance. I read my Bible Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And I'm going to go to prayer. So I have a few things in here, and this is who I am. And it's pretty empty, as you can see, right? So then I run around all week, and I run to Al. Do you love me? Do you have anything you can give me? Do you have anything? <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Looking for something 
right? Looking for something. Meanwhile, we have nothing left to give. And Jesus says, I will give you. And so we go every morning, and he fills up. And he fills up the next day. And the next day. By the end of three or four days, you spend time in God's word, you can have something to give. Now you're filling. Now you're filling. <laughs> and then God says, I have more to give you. God doesn't want us walking around as empty vessels. He wants us to be filled with him so much that when we run into Teresa, that was a great event. We should plan something like that again. I'm so grateful. I was just praying for you. Oh, that's wonderful that you showed up in my life. Giving encouragement, giving prayer, giving, um, well, you know, encouragement was the word I was looking. Exhortation to anyone that you come along because you're not starving spiritually yourself, but you're full enough to overflow. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Are you all tracking with me so far? Okay. I want you to know that we are in good company. <laughs> we are in good company. You know, I say to myself, I don't want to be like that in a roundabout. Why am I like that? I don't have a Jesus bumper sticker on my car for that reason. <laughs> but I am a Jesus girl. <laughs> but even Paul, the Apostle Paul says, I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. You know, and it goes on and on like that. The apostle, or James, the brother of Jesus, tells us, and this one is another one that gets me every time. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And then we turn around and curse our brothers. Who is made in the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this shouldn't be. Have you ever gone to the freshwater spring up in um, 89A going up to Flagstaff? Yeah, Have you ever gotten salt water out of it? No. No, it's a freshwater spring. And James is comparing our tongue and our speech to that. <laughs> You know, you can't say, hallelujah, praise the Lord, and then, oh, you. <laughs> Make sense? Yeah. Makes sense. So it is really, a, it is really on purpose. That's the word I want to use. It is really with diligence, with um, purpose. What's the word I'm looking for? Anyway. It is, it has to be something that we do on purpose. It has to be intentional. It is intentional. Thank you, that was the word. It's intentional that we live in the identity of who we are. Positionally, that never changes. I am a child of God. But over here, as I'm walking, I don't always walk as a child of God. So let's look at some ways about how we can live out that true identity. All right. This is your main source of protein. This is the meat of your spiritual diet, the Bible. 
How many, I don't want to put anybody on the spot. Good. <laughs> I don't want to put anybody on the spot. But if we are to be uh, meat eaters of the word, then we need to be eating it more often than Sunday. More often than Sunday and women's Bible study. More often than Sunday, women's Bible study, prayer, and a gift together. We need to have a prayer, quiet time with the Lord. <clears throat> I don't do so well with quiet, <laughs> to be honest, because my mind is... <laughs> so prayer and meditation, you know, I got the prayer talking to God really good. The meditation is what I need to do to listen to God. I have started writing out scripture verses that hit me in my reading, and then I try and sit with it. So it's, I'm a work in progress. I'm a work in progress just like you guys are. <laughs> so what are some of the other devotions or other things that you do that help you focus on Jesus besides the Bible? Gratitude. Gratitude journal?
He is with us all the time. He is our comforter, yeah. our guidance. He's here to correct us and to uh, instruct Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1 and 2, follow God's example. Who's God's example here on what walked here on earth? Jesus. Follow him and walk in the way of love. And I love this one in Isaiah because when I was working, I was a workaholic. So I don't do anything half. I am either all in or not at all. And that's one of the, uh, that I need to work on. <laughs> uh, so, uh, why spend money on what is not bread? Your labor on what is not satisfied? You know, we're looking to be satisfied in this life right here, right now in our lives. No matter what season of life we're in, we should find, we should be able to have the satisfaction of Jesus now. And how many struggle with it? All right. A few more scriptures. I'm going to close with Ephesians 2.10, but I want to go through these next uh, few scriptures with you because we're going to be walking, and then we're going to look at purpose. Like, what on earth are we here for? If I was saved by grace at the time of my salvation, why did Jesus just take me home? But he left us here for a reason, right? And we all have a purpose to fulfill. So when we walk in the identity of who we are, what is the very first thing that we want to do? Um, somebody read Luke 10, 27. Somebody read that for me. Of the Lord your God. Say again. With your heart and all your soul. With all your strength and with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the greatest commandment. When in doubt, what would we do first? Love, love God. And then turn around and love your neighbor. And who is your neighbor? Everybody. Carolyn. <laughs> <laughs> now says Carolyn. Okay, love Carolyn. <laughs> Further on, God says, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. You know, we receive the gift of reconciliation to Christ, to God, through Christ. And God has given us the ministry, the task of reconciling people to himself. So we look around and we go, oh, no, that's, you know, that is definitely Joyce Meyer's job, to reconcile people <laughs> to God. Definitely. <laughs> that is definitely Pastor John's job, right? But if you look around... We're plan A, and we still plan A. I mean, I'm sure James and John and Andrew and Philip, they were looking around and go, what, we are, what, what are we going to do? No, You're going to go to the ends of the earth, teaching people about me, reconciling them to God. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Hallelujah. So several of us work outside the home as well, but how many get... And I just want to shoot their bosses. <laughs> no, we love our bosses, right? So Colossians tells us, and this is a good one for me when I was working, is work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord than for people. If I pictured Jesus as my boss instead of that person, 
I could walk a little better into work that day. Colossians 1.10, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. So we want to love God, love our neighbor, and whatever we do, do it so it pleases the Lord. That's the basic premise of all of our purpose here on life, here on earth. Love God, love neighbor, glorify God, glorify Jesus. So let's turn in our Bibles to Ephesians 2.10. And that was part of our purpose statement. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he has planned for us long ago. The NIV says we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's masterpiece, handiwork. What else do some of your translations say? Ephesians 2.10, we are... Some of the other translations say... Masterpiece, handiwork, craftsmanship. In the Greek, the word is poema. It's where we get the English word poem. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. So there is a reason that you exist. The definition of purpose is that. The reason for which something exists, what it was made for, what it is used for. It is the original intended goal. How many know or believe they know that they are walking in the, in the goal that God made them for? How many would like to learn more about what God made them for so that we can walk in that? Amen. Amen. Okay. <laughs> so I want to do a little word study on this poem because I think it's very cool. It's only used two times in the New Testament. One is here in Ephesians 2.10, and the other is in Romans 1.20. And Romans 1.20 tells us that for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Though everything God made, through everything God made, they came to see clearly the, his invisible qualities, his eternal nature and divine, so that they have no excuse for not knowing God. And that word poem, again, is used for the handiwork that God created. I mean, if we look around and we see those red rocks, Snoopy, Thunder Mountain, all of those, can we deny that there's a God? We're without excuse. Man is without excuse. And that is the other time that that word poema is used. But workmanship is also used in the Old Testament when referring to the craftsmen, Bezaiel and Oholiah. And Pastor Don will probably tell me I pronounced those wrong. <laughs> However, <laughs> this was the time where they were building the tabernacle and the furnishings of the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, look, I have specifically chosen Bezaiel son of Uri, grandson of Yor, the tribe of Judas. He is a master craftsman, expert in working with all kinds of gold and silver and bronze. And then he also appointed Ohaliah, son of 
from the tribe of Dan as his assistants. And this is what they were going to make. The tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark cover, the furnishings of the tabernacle, the table, utensils. So now we have studied, etc., etc. We have studied the tabernacle before in other studies. If you've done studies of the tabernacle, you know how exactly precise all of those instructions were. So when God says, you are my masterpiece, he knows exactly intrinsically how he formed you and what he made you to do. He is the craftsman of who you are, just as he signed Bezael, the craftsman of the tabernacle and the furnishings. So you are God's workmanship, masterpiece, handiwork, poem. Any of those words can be translated into <coughs> what God has designed for you. And his work is not random. It started at birth. Psalm 130, in the womb. Psalm 139 tells us that God knit you together in your mother's womb. Who's a knitter sewer in here? <laughs> Nobody. So knitting is very intricate. But God knitted you together and placed you in your mother's womb. So none of you are an accident because God's handiwork was right there. Then, when you were born again, or turned your life from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, that is your salvation point, that purpose, well, that was purposed by God. So you said yes to him. What did he say to Joshua? I said before you life and death. But he didn't end there. What did he say? Now choose life. Choose life. I'm rooting for you to choose life. I set before you here life and death. Now choose life. That's what God wants for all of us. So at our salvation, that is a part of the poem or the craftsman or the workmanship or the masterpiece that God is threading together for us. And like I said before, if we were done at that point, we'd be home with Jesus. But we're not. So this theological word called sanctification and I know that God at that <laughs> Pastor John has gone through a lot of these theological words but it's the process from your salvation until until he takes you until so every day he's working a piece on you as we yield and guide let him guide us so I have a picture that I want to show because a lot of times I look at me and I say, my life is a mess. So I'm looking at the tapestry, a masterpiece from here. I'm looking at the backside. Look at all those threads hanging off of that. That's what I see my life as. That's the masterpiece that God is threading. But what I don't see is the crown. What I see is the mess. And so a lot of times we're stuck in the mess. I'm stuck in the mess. You know? And I'm like, oh, well, I can do better than that. So I start trimming. <laughs> I start editing a little bit. Is anybody tracking with me or am I going to go? There's another one that Carolyn, that we have. Look at the backside of that tapestry. 
And look at the front side. Do you believe that your life is a masterpiece in God's hand? Can we walk forward today knowing that he's got a good design for us, a good plan for us? We may see the straggliness, and he's allowing us to see the straggliness so that we can depend on him for the final peace. Do you believe that God has a definite will for your life, that he planned with you specifically in mind. <laughs> and every one of us has planned specifically in mind. God has a plan for us. Amen. So now we need to seek it out. Amen? Amen. So that's your homework. <laughs> that is what we go back and every day look in the mirror and maybe put that little um, paragraph on your mirror that says, I am a child of God. I'm loved, chosen. Nobody can take that from me. I am redeemed. I am free in Jesus. And then start to look at how your life is walking out. Let the Holy Spirit make you aware of some of the areas he wants to change. Then be willing, perhaps, to do that. And a lot of times I have to pray for the willingness to even be willing to let him do something for me. Am I alone on that? <laughs> so, I just want to encourage everyone to really feed on the Word, to really feed on the Word of God. That we come together, that this is the time on Sunday morning, it's the celebration, it's the cream of the crop, it's the whipped cream and the cherry on top. Because we come in and we're, we know God. We know God has a plan for us, and we know God has a future for us. This future to not to, to prosper us and not to harm us. And that we come together maybe during the week or check in with somebody and say, hey, I'm just thinking about you. And can I pray with you? And can we make that pact with each other as the body of Christ? Okay, thank you. <laughs> so let me close in prayer, and then we have a few announcements before we take our offering. Father, we want to yield to be your masterpiece. Father, only you can make the masterpiece look the way you want it to look. And so when we start to meddle in on it or change things or, or want to do it differently, Father, we just, we're going to yield this week. The clay can't say to the potter, don't make me that way. The potter makes the vessels. And so, Lord, whatever your purposes are for us, I ask that we can walk in it, that we will live in it, that we, we will know beyond a shadow of a doubt positionally that we are your child, secure, that spiritually we are secure in Jesus in you. Lord, I, help us, I ask that you'd help us, to, that you would mold us more and more to look like your son, that in every way, the more unique we get, the more we fill out our purpose, the more that people are drawn to Jesus himself. Lord, we love you. We praise you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, sorry, worship team. Before we get going on that, we have a few announcements. And the first one is, um, I'm going to have Carolyn come up. She's going to talk about the website. Okay. I'm just going to show you from here. <laughs> 
All right, before you do that, I want to just remind uh, the ladies that we're starting a women's Bible study again on the 29th. Yay. All right. <coughs> I just don't know how many of you use the website on a regular basis or ever have. Maybe some of you don't have the internet, but just to show you what we have here. This is our opening page, and we show the front of the church. So you can share this with others. We're showing the worship so people can see how you're dressed and know that, that they can wear jeans if they want, a polo shirt, showing the Sunday school. So we offer a lot of information and then the map. That's all on the opening page. But if you'll notice here at the top, we had all of these across the top, uh, different tabs that you can click on. So we also have here under about our purpose and mission and what we value and knowing God. We have history also. So here's our staff with Pastor John and a little bit about him. And there's also on Susan and, uh, and Joe and Barbara. Then we have different ways that you can connect through through the calendar with small groups and the Hispanic service and different things that are going on <coughs> in the church. This is perhaps one of the most important tools. Right now we have the audio sermons. So if I click on this, it'll show the sermons. These are our sermons from the past with Pastor Frank and you get down here to the bottom and here is John's sermons and they're posted usually on Sunday or Monday. And uh, so send that to people. If you heard the really great sermon, Laura's will be on here tomorrow, you want to share her sermon, <coughs> send it to people. Just, just copy the link right here. Copy and paste it and put it in your email and say, I'd like to hear you, have you hear this wonderful sermon that we had today. Different, different things on giving and contact. Now what Larry Batten has been working on with the sermons is, is that we're going to have live streaming very shortly in our church. And when that happens, we'll come back and show you how to do it. But when it's live, it'll be all of the, um, the entire service. Joe, Barbara, Arlene, Eddie, Lily, everyone singing our worship with them. And uh, then it'll go right in and it'll be the entire service. Then after Sunday, we'll edit that out and we'll have the sermon part portion of, the, of it online that will be there permanently for people to go back and watch Pastor Laura, watch Pastor John, and, and hear those sermons visually and maybe see the slides on the screen. So we're opening we're opening doors for all of us to share what we have with other people. I'm proud of what we have, and I know you are also. And it's just going to get better. We're just going to get stronger. And who can go wrong with this body of Christ? Thank you for letting me share. Amen. Amen. Share the transition team has met again, so he has an update for us. Okay, um, 
I'll try to make this short. I know that, uh, that food is waiting. <laughs> anyway, this is a old progress report in our endeavor to find us a new pastor and see what we can do to uh, improve the church uh, in preparation for our new pastor. We've had uh, five meetings, I believe, I think that's right. Five meetings, and there are five of us. Uh, we began the meetings with uh, a kind of a surprise, getting to know each other, so that we could determine, you know, how we're going to operate, how we're going to operate uh, in this selection process, and it worked out pretty good. 